0: Welcome back to the New Mexico Rising podcast. This is your host Amanda Aragon, Executive Director of New Mexico Kids Can. My goodness, I hope wherever you are listening, you're well. For me, I'm going to be super honest. We've been in a whirl in a whirlwind since recording our last episode with Secretary Arsenio Romero. I guess legislative session will do that to you. Time becomes a vortex, and suddenly two weeks have passed. But I'm so glad to have a break from the roundhouse and be back here in the studio to record another episode of New Mexico Rising. And I bet you're wondering who today's guest is. Well, you'll have to wait just a few more minutes. Or actually, you probably already know because you probably glanced at the title before you hit play on today's episode. But before we get to our guest, we do have a couple reminders for you. One, please subscribe to our podcast. It's so exciting when we're looking at episode analytics to see the number of subscribers going up. This is absolutely the best way to make sure that you see every new episode when it publishes every other Thursday. Also, just a reminder to go back and catch up on our previous episodes. There's something there for everyone, whether you're looking for a perspective from the Secretary of Education, a teacher, a parent, Uh, someone in the charter school community, there's an episode for everyone, so definitely go check those out. And lastly, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Your ratings and reviews help other people find our podcast, and we really can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So let's get back to it. Not only has legislative session been in session, but there's been another major education event happening. I'm sure you're aware, especially if you live here in Albuquerque, Our largest school district, Albuquerque Public Schools, has been in the process of choosing its next superintendent. It's a process that began months ago with community input hearings and surveys to help shape the job description, and it continued last Tuesday with more than 12 hours of public community meetings with the two finalists. And it just concluded a couple days ago with the announcement of the new Albuquerque Public Schools superintendent. And you may be wondering why I'm talking so much about this. Well... Today we are joined by none other than the newly named superintendent of Albuquerque Public Schools, Dr. Gabriella Duran-Blakey. Dr. Blakey is an Albuquerque native graduating from Highland High School. She began her career as a high school social studies and English language learner teacher. She will be stepping into the position currently held by Superintendent Scott Elder, who is leaving APS when his contract expires on June 30th. Dr. Blakey earned her Doctorate of Education and a Master of Arts in Educational Leadership from the University of New Mexico and holds a Bachelor of Science in Secondary Education from New Mexico State University. She has over 20 years experience at Albuquerque Public Schools, ranging from classroom teacher to principal to zone associate superintendent to COO and now superintendent. Dr. Blakey is an accomplished violinist who plays for the Symphony Orchestra of Albuquerque and is a member of boards of Explore Children's Science Museum, United Way of Central New Mexico, and the Albuquerque Youth Symphony Program. Her husband, Paul Blakey, is also an educator and a professional musician. Dr. Blakey, welcome to New Mexico Rising. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. It's great to be here. One of the things I saw when I was reviewing all of your um, work history yesterday is you were activities director at one of the high schools. Yes. Which one? Uh, Highland, actually. Did you ever lead the like delegation to state? Yes. Student council? Several times. Where Where was it hosted the years um,
1: you went? I remember going to Hobbs. I remember going to Clovis. I want to say Rio Rancho. Um, I did that for about six years. So We went all over the state and lots of cheering, and it was actually one of the best jobs. It's
0: so fun. That was, like, my dream job when I was in high school. I was, like, I want to be an activities director. I think we must have been at Hobbs together. Oh, yeah. Because I was in student council at that time. I was bummed. I was a freshman at Rio Rancho High School when we hosted, and I wasn't in student council my freshman year. So I missed out on, like, the experience of hosting state, but such good memories. Yes, it's so much fun. So – what a whirlwind. Yes. A few, probably not even a few weeks, like a few months for you. What do you want people listening to know about you as you step into this new role?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is just to know how committed I am and how excited I am for the change that is about to happen. I think we're on a great trajectory. So the timing couldn't get better um, as far as the board setting up all of their goals and guardrails, having a strategic plan, and just getting in now to do the work. So that's my biggest excitement, and I want people to know is that I'm committed to making change, doing the work, and having great things happen for our kids. That's awesome. I know you got to share a lot about yourself
0: um, through last Mm -hmm. week's or this week's, last week's, um, public input kind of sessions. But do you want to share more a little bit about, like, your kind of experience in Albuquerque Public Schools and how you started and how you ended up here?
1: Sure. It's it's kind of funny because – You know you put yourself out there and then everybody now knows everything you know i figured i had nothing to lose so um if i'm going to put myself out there i might as well tell everybody everything so and i think that's important too just in leadership to be really authentic Mm -hmm. and so i want people to know who i am as a person because those are like the values i lead with so i want to be really clear about that um and i've worked in every sector of the district i've worked in every quadrant of the city but all of that work i do is to get to a point where i can make a difference for kids so I want to walk in the shoes of you know the, the teachers and maintenance workers and everybody that has their arms around these children um, so that I know what we need to do to make a difference. So I'm really excited about what has brought me to this place, but it's actually a, kind of a funny road because I started teaching um, in Seattle, outside of Seattle, Washington actually. And I think it's the same thing that happens to many of us. You know, We grow up and then you're like, oh, I need to leave New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I left and went and taught up in uh, Everett, Washington, and um, I loved it. But just like a lot of people, I was drawn back to Albuquerque where I went to teach at Highland, and I knew that in my career, like, it was my core value of giving back to my community. I love the field, but being, being able to have that connection was really important to me. Um, so I came back uh, to Albuquerque and started teaching at, at Highland at that yeah. time.
0: Well, I think a lot of people don't know that about you and that you taught Mm -hmm. in Washington. And I think the other thing that people don't know about, may not know about you, or maybe isn't talked about as much, both the Washington component and that you started a charter Mm -hmm. school. What did you learn from those two experiences outside of kind of the APS structure? And what from those experiences will you be bringing into your new role?
1: I think that's really important, and I'd like people to know that about me too. Because sometimes, you know, there's value in people bringing different perspectives. But some people, when I'm working with them, I'm like, you just need to go out a little bit and then come back and bring what you learn, Mm -hmm. because it just makes us stronger. One thing I learned was like the assets we have here, um, and that's something I think that you know, the land of entrapment, or you know, you leave and then you're brought back, and I think that has made me more committed. But I also learned good practices that are happening outside that we can do. Like, why not do it here? Right. Um, when I was in Seattle, I started a newcomer program. I taught mostly refugee students who were new to the country. And so that's just an example of in APS, I started our newcomer program um, in APS and built out that department um, because I saw what we could do. And um, I think that that's really important. I founded Health Leadership High School. And in looking at that, like compared to the goals and guardrails, it was a really good connection because I was like, well, that's kind of like my school I created was basically based on the goals and guardrails, but it was a limited number of students mm-hmm. that we could serve. Um, so I'm really excited about being able to take all of that knowledge. When I went to start a school, that was part of my interest. And I remember one of my elementary teachers telling me that I was really inquisitive when I was little. And I only remember that because I was like, what does inquisitive mean? I I remember having to look it up. But I think that that's what draws me to do different things. And I'm really interested in it and then take it back to see how can we partner with other schools or what is it we're missing or what can we do better? And what are people offering that we don't and should we or should we partner with other people? So I think that perspective is really important in my leadership that I can see outside the box. I do a lot of work with the Council of Great City Schools just to learn, like Mm -hmm. to learn what other people are doing and then know that maybe we're not cookie cutter of how we can replicate it, but let's see how we can make it work for our kids in Albuquerque to make things better. And I think I have a really good way because of my past experiences of being able to do that, the connection of like outside work with how we can make it with like the Albuquerque twist on it.
0: Yeah, I love that blend. And I think It's a unique experience that people have that leave and come back. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an experience that, frankly, like I wish every person in New Mexico could have of just getting away for a little bit and realizing there's a lot of good stuff here and there's things that we want to change. And the right mix of that is probably a little of both. Like, let's take some ideas that are working elsewhere and apply them to our local context as opposed to. Where I think, you know, I hear a lot of like both and from you. We can take those ideas and mm-hmm. apply our local context. And I think people are constantly like wanting to push people like you or our work in New Mexico kids' Canada, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't want any outside ideas, or we only want outside ideas. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. there's the answer is really in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that's a really cool reflection on your time in Washington and and starting health leadership of. There's so much that we can accomplish when we're open to other ideas okay. and we recognize like you can't just take it and duplicate it exactly here. We're we're a little bit different. And so we gotta apply that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I know one of the things that you mentioned during the community input hearings was your experience improving student outcomes in three of the schools that were identified by the state as MRI. And I'm when I was thinking about this question last night, I was like, how do we help listeners understand like, you hear MRI, you uh-huh. know exactly what it means. I hear it, I know exactly what it means. But for our listeners, MRI stands for more rigorous intervention. Again, you're like, what in the world does that mean? It's a federal designation of schools, and New Mexico identified four that were really at the bottom of performance statewide. And at that time, you were zone associate zone superintendent, uh, and you oversaw Whittier and Hawthorne, which uh-huh. were two of those schools. And I just – I. Th- have spent a lot of time reflecting on that. That was incredibly challenging time, I think, for a lot of people. But you, probably especially as the zone associate soup, really stuck between battles that were playing out very publicly between the state, the district leadership, um, and the teachers union. Mm-hmm. And we were embroiled in lots of really public fights about what needed to happen to turn around these schools. Ultimately, a new model that the district now calls T.O.P.S., which we transformate – what is
1: – I don't know what the I can't actual remember. Acronym I know. I think we've all just started <laughs> referring to yeah. it as
0: T.O.P.S. Uh, that new model was created, and it took breaking some glass and renegotiating some labor agreements and a lot of scrutiny. What did you learn from that process, and what are you kind of going to take away and apply to this role?
1: Um Looking back on it, it's kind of hard to uh, – Think that like we went through all of that. It was pre-COVID. I think I had been the superintendent in that um, zone for a year or two before um, we got the designations. And a little bit of it was, and part of why I'm like so excited to do the work ahead of us, a little bit is I haven't been in a position to have like permission to like be bold. Mm -hmm. And so even though we see problems in the school, the district has had a little bit of a record of moving really slow. And I know we could move faster. So the positive thing about that experience was, like, here it is, here's your schools. And it's like, well, we were trying to say that this is what, and we had plans, but it was like moving so slow. Right. So I liked the kick. I liked that that gave the district permission to like, let's move. We had like, I think six weeks to make a plan. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I knew what makes schools transform. Right. So the 6 weeks wasn't hard, but it was hard because of all the factors you just listed. Like how do we in 6 weeks make everybody get along and get together to do this work? Um and I think it shows a little bit of my leadership too because I didn't ask for permission. I just was like, "Let's get to work." Like right. I didn't at the time say who's going to own it and who's going to be the work group and how are we going to do this. It was just like We have a problem, we have to fix it. So I've studied education my whole life. And in that, like the research is out there. So we know how to adjust the practice and the research together to be able to create good schools. So I still remember we have a notebook, I think it was like maybe six inches of just research that we used in developing those schools. Because part of that was like, can we all just ground ourselves with an understanding of best practices? And then the fight was like, in how do we now implement it? So it's not necessarily even making the model, it's how do we get everybody to be a part of it, to agree that there's an issue, and then work on the solutions together. So um, through that process, I think I learned a lot about um, being able to give and take with people too. You know, like we want what's best for kids. So if it means adjusting here, so we move here, like let's do it and let's just keep moving forward. That model has come out to essentially be the new way that we do school by adding time, looking at blocks of how are we using the time. So I'm proud of the work that was done. It was very hard to get there. I learned a lot about negotiations. I learned about listening about different perspectives. But the important thing was, I learned that everybody has the best interest in mind. It's just how we get there.
0: Yeah. And I think that's so important. You know, when I think back about some of the aspects of the changes at Whittier and Hawthorne and Los Padillas, would be, you know, these things sound kind of routine now because they've been so much a part of the state conversation. Extended learning time. Mm -hmm. These were the first schools in the city that said, if we want kids to make the progress we need them to make and we know that they're behind where their peers have been, we need more time with them. And so like that happened. Um, Dedicated professional development Mm -hmm. daily for that staff happened. Um, Bringing in a different principal who Mm -hmm. had experience with turnaround, which is different work than kind of your managing of Mm a well-performing school those things i think now are part of the regular conversation but they weren't then at all and so credit to you and the staff at aps at the time for navigating all of the challenges because there were also barriers to those things to your point about like sometimes the district moves slow i think sometimes it's just out of nature of the district at least that's Mm -hmm. my perspective as an external person but sometimes there are actual barriers that take time to work through if no one is like Mm -hmm. pushing down on you and those things could sometimes be contract agreements with your staff or um you know community outreach stuff like that and so I just think people might hear about that work and say like well duh but at that time it it was a duh from like a we know what works but it wasn't from a okay, so let's go
1: do it and yeah. let's figure out how to do it. And I think that's really, really exciting. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying is like the research was all there and we know what works. It was like, you just finally needed permission to let's do it. And mm-hmm. so now we were just having a conversation yesterday, like what is the TOPS model? And I'm like, well, it should be the new way of doing school. Yeah. So it's not like it was a pilot. Cause that's something we do really poorly is we do these pilots and then we like pull it away from them and then go back to doing things the yeah. way they were being done before, which is ridiculous. So... I was like, this is a new way of doing things. Like, you see education policy that's putting some of these things, like you said, that are just like, well, duh, of course, like, these things need to happen. Um, But putting them in as, like, structures of how we do school now needs to be the way we move in the future rather than going backwards. Right. Well,
0: I, I appreciate your reflection on that. And I certainly, you know, for our listeners, maybe there were people following along with that at the time um I think it's very challenging for anyone listening to understand just how much pressure that likely was Mm -hmm. um for you for the teams at the school for um district leadership as a whole and you know yeah I, I I get frustrated because there's a lot of people in the country that say oh like school accountability at the federal level which is where this MRI designation mm-hmm. comes from, like, didn't work. And I always say, like, I don't think that's true because of those four schools that were identified, we can see – we have seen progress at Hawthorne and Whittier mm-hmm. and Los Padillas. It wasn't easy. And I think there was a lot of people that, in hindsight, were like, oh, that was so awful because the the public fighting, I right. think, was not – no one was like, what a lovely experience <laughs> that was. Um but we got where we needed to go, right? And everyone has a role to play in that, and it's not always easy. And so, I appreciate your vulnerability and just being willing to reflect on that time because I think it would be very easy for a leader, for y- like you, to be like, "That was awful." Yeah, I'm never doing <laughs> yeah. that.
1: And it, I mean, it's like that's what t- it takes. It takes struggle to get mm-hmm. places, you know. And it was there was some bad like just fighting and us trying to like just maneuver everything, and in the meantime. Like Hawthorne, I grew up in the southeast heights of Albuquerque. So Hawthorne and Whittier are like places of importance to me. Mm -hmm. And some of my like good friends went there. And so and that wasn't to give an excuse. That was like, we have to do better. Like it was like a kick in the stomach, like out of the entire state. These are the four lowest performing schools. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, this isn't like acceptable. Right. And so that kick, I think, is what got us through the like emotions that everybody just needs to get in and do this. But it was, um, it, it takes struggle to make progress and it takes building and repairing relationships, I think too, because it also was, I think, emotional to people and seeing kids that were like, is my school getting closed? Are my teachers bad? And yeah. like working through all of that and seeing the kids now who are like so proud, you know, like of the work that they've done and um, that they're proud to be at their school.
0: Yeah, and I think hearing you reflect on that, I'll I'll share a little bit about a conversation I had with my brother at the time because he said, I think there was a story on the news, and I think they were outside Los Padillas Elementary, mm-hmm. actually, and interviewing parents when the news had broke mm-hmm. that it had been identified. And my brother called me, and he was just like, well, I don't understand why parents are still sending their kids to these schools. And I was like, well, one, a lot of parents didn't know that – things were like this dire and two and i think this is a challenge with um institutional schools like los Pedias that has like a very Mm -hmm. important role in the community whittier and hawthorne i think are like anchors of Mm -hmm. that part of town where parents are like well you have you're lucky to serve a district that like one of our assets to your earlier conversation is this generational tie that we have to our history in Albuquerque public schools and I think of my own family Uh right who they're all very proud Washington Uh middle school people they're very Uh proud Albuquerque high people and so like well my mom went here my dad went here my grandma went Uh here my grandpa went here and they're fine so we're probably fine and so I think sometimes Uh in your role I imagine in your new role it's hard to say to a community, hey, this school isn't performing where we want it to, and that's going to require X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think our Albuquerque pride is like, who mm-hmm. are you to tell me that our school our school isn't good enough? And you're like, no, no, no. We're not making a judgment on the community or the people in the building, but what we are trying to say is the outcomes mm-hmm. that we want your students to experience are not where we want them to be. And I, I think you're – Anyone in the role of the superintendent is going to have a challenge Uh of balancing those things. Like how do you work with community to say, hey, this is not an indictment on you, but rather a invitation for us to work together to provide something more Uh to the students. But I I just think that generational dynamic Uh creates some tension that may not exist in other places in the same way. Yeah. Um, So I really just appreciate your reflections there. Monday's press conference, um, you said, I'm committed to listening and I'm committed to delivering results to make sure that we achieve the goals that our community has very publicly outlined for us and for the school board, she sa- you said. Um, I know that our responsibility to make sure that we work, that it is, sorry, I know that it is our responsibility to make sure that we work as a community to better our student outcomes and achieve the goals. So... How can our community support you and the board during this transition to ensure that we deliver on the goals of the strategic plan and provide a better education for the district's 68,000 students?
1: I think that the, I mean, I wouldn't be in this work if it wasn't for my commitment to the community. And the board did such a good job creating the plan with the input of the community. And I have to say, like, Yes, it's hard to be vulnerable and answer questions for 12 hours during the day, during an interview, but knowing that the, like those rooms were full for sessions yeah. and that the community cares. So the first thing that I want to tell the community is to not give up on us and keep caring because we have to do this together and we need a little bit of healthy tension to like keep us accountable, keep pushing on us, stay engaged with us, if we see things that aren't working, give us input and feedback on how we can adjust along the way because the road is windy and we don't want people to get off and just get frustrated like, oh, they said they were going to do this and it's you know been a month and my student is still reading at the same grade level. Um, we need some patience, but urgency, if that makes sense. Yeah. like We need a little healthy push and I really want to embrace the community too help support us. I know there's a lot of good ideas out there for the workforce, um, growing the workforce, having internships with, um, for our kids, tutoring like, and I wanna open our arms to like work together because how our community treats our kids speaks to how our society is in Albuquerque. And I wanna be a model for like the world on how you treat children together and what we can accomplish. And I want the community to be a part of that work and not just, like, on the fringe saying, you know, oh, well, it didn't work. Or, you know, I want them to be a part of it. And I want to embrace them and I want to listen and deliver on, on what it is that people expect from us. So I just want the community to stay involved, stay pushing on us, give us their ideas, and partner with us so that we can, like, move mountains. And I, I really appreciate that because I think
0: hearing you reflect on the creation of the strategic plan, right? So a ton of community surveys, a ton of public input meetings where people could come together and say, like, here's what we want, here's what we're thinking. Obviously, all the instructional audits and all of that stuff that went into it. But then, so we, the community really engaged, and I think they did a good job of showing up for the strategic planning process. And then, again, you know, how many months ago? Was that four months Mm ago? When before... The job for superintendent was even posted. All of those community events of saying, like, what do you want in the next superintendent? What is important to you before the board then put together the job description using all of that feedback and all of those surveys mm-hmm. to shape that. And then again, to your point, I mean, credit to you and the other finalists, you were literally in at Berna Foscia for. <laughs> more than 12 hours facing questions from the community everyone from staff to business leaders to you know parents and families and just everyone in between and i like you was really heartened to be like wow people Uh i mean one of those sessions was three hours and people were there and people made time i think not as many as you know i always hope like everyone is there (laughs) but it was really good and so i i really appreciate you saying the push is needed Like, again, both and. Uh Let's celebrate the things that are going well. Maybe this is the theme of the podcast in general. You know, I'm thinking about um, the student at Albuquerque High last year. They got a perfect score on the Spanish AP test. Like, yes. And also, Uh that's not happening everywhere. So we can talk about, like, the struggles and Uh the successes. And I just appreciate your willingness to say, like, no, that like, keep pushing and, and stay engaged. We're not done right right Right, now that we have the strategic plan and a new superintendent i don't think the community should feel permission to be like okay cool we did our part (laughs) see you later they need to stay engaged and i think you inviting that engagement
1: Uh is is really lovely yeah it's really important um you know and i think of myself you know i i think of other kids at van buren right now that not all of them are going to be able to accomplish a professional dream but we can make that happen Mm -hmm. so that it's not just oh look, there is one person from Van Buren who's now the superintendent she accomplished her dream. I'm like, I want every student at Van Buren right now that whatever their future holds, we've created a road for them to be successful in it. Um, And I think we can, I think we have hardworking people. I think a lot of people need permission to do so. Mm -hmm. And I wanna grant that permission to like, think outside the box and like break barriers and let's do this, you know. Um, And some of it is just giving our staff permission to like do it (laughs) and i think that that is part of our community work too
0: well awesome i'm so so grateful that you took time especially in this very hectic week to make time um anything else you want to touch on before we move to the rapid fire questions
1: um not necessarily i mean i just want people to know i really am approachable and i hope to hear from people to talk to people I'm somebody that, like, if you see me at the coffee shop and you're like, oh, I think that's a superintendent, like, come talk to me. Tell me what you think. Um, And that's how I create change. And that's how we are held accountable to the work is by listening. You know, I said that all day the other day, but it's true. Like, my first step in making decisions is listening. And sometimes we respond without listening. And I want to make sure that I'm listening and responding appropriately. So... I just wanna really make sure that people know out there, I'm approachable, reach out, you know, stop me, and I, I love to talk education anyway, so. Might um, as well do it coffee. Might as well do it over coffee. Well, it over coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay,
0: rapid fire. Who was your favorite teacher?
1: Um, so that's a, that's a good one. I have a lot, I'm sure everybody's like, oh, I have a lot, but I have two specifically. Um, Mrs. Allbach was my uh, second grade teacher. And Miss Sutton was my English teacher at um, Van Buren, and thinking about those two, like they were bold women, like they were my teachers, and they were such good role models for me. Of like, say what you mean, like use your voice. They treated me as like an individual, and I needed like in middle school, like most of us, I needed yeah. a lot of Ooh. attention. Yes. So I remember Miss Sutton like giving me attention, but also giving me permission to be like a strong woman. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate them instilling that in me. Other people might not appreciate it, but (laughs) um, I really appreciate not just the content that they taught me, but just the push of just being proud of who you are and just being okay, being bold. I love that. What's your favorite restaurant? I would say, you know, right now I'm, like, on a big Matucci's kick. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite location? Well, Everyone I'm,
0: has a favorite location, and they're all very
1: different. I think that, like, the um, – I think that the one on Montano is my favorite, yeah. which is, like, Italian. Um, yeah, Yeah, I can't the, remember what their, like, titles the are. I think that's my favorite, but I'm on a tour of them, so uh, I'll keep trying – I'll keep yeah. rotating, you know. Um, so that's definitely a big one. Cosina Azul is another one. Um, I'm like, i I eat Mexican and Italian food pretty much like as as staple. So, so um, those are like my two big ones, but I am on a Matucci's kick and a tour of seeing which, which one, one is yeah. going to, yeah.
0: I, I think Montano used to be my favorite until they opened the one in Nob Hill. Oh yeah. And now I love that one, but Montano is my second favorite. <laughs> uh, tell us about something that you're watching, reading or listening to.
1: Um, so, well, you know, I am everybody at work will even tell you like they're like, what are you listening to? And it's either um the legislature yeah. so and luckily it's like twenty four seven right now, right That's any time true. of day you could turn it on and listen to anything you know you so i I do listen to that like uh uh you know everybody walks in they're like, what are you listening to? I'm like a committee is it education I was like no, I'm just listening no, just to them listening. talk um and I also do that with school board meetings across the country. So I watch
0: oh, that's really school board meetings,
1: and they're fascinating to me. And there's one school district. It's like I was I teach a class at U N M, and I was telling my students, you guys have to start watching. It's like you wait for the next one. It's like better than a Real Housewives episode. You just um, so I watch school board meetings, um, and uh, it also teaches you like how to recognize the madness everywhere you know like yeah. it, it puts things and it puts things in great perspective and in this role I know I'm gonna need it even more like okay I get what's happening um and then on a personal level also I'm a big fan of Richard Rohr so I read like his um messages every day to kind of just get me grounded mm-hmm. and remember what I'm what I'm doing as a person
0: yeah I love that it reminds me of a reflection I had yesterday which is this feels like the first time in a very long time that we've had kind of three working together in a mm-hmm. way that I'm I'm hopeful will be, like, together. One, the strategic plan, the board who's now, I think, trying really hard to say, like, okay, we are going to focus on the governance structure and making sure that we're only doing things related to mm-hmm. uh, student outcomes aligned to the strategic plan, and then bringing you in and aligning um, your job description and um, the aspects of your – Role to that strategic plan. I don't think that's ever happened before. I think we oftentimes have put people in really challenging positions of saying, okay, you're the new superintendent. You better Mm -hmm. have the next big, you better know exactly what you want to do everywhere. And if it's not delivered, that's on you. Or we elect school board members and then we're like, we're counting on you to change everything. Whereas now it's like, no, 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 we've got the plan. The plan is consistent. Everyone can you do your role to deliver that? And I'm very excited about that.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about that. That's like what makes me feel like this time it's going to stick. And we're going to, I mean, we have really smart people on the board right now. And um, they are working really hard to deliver. And I have to say, it was like when I um, got the job, when they called me in and I just saw like this group of like diverse, beautiful women and like knowing that I was going to be a part of a team with them. Like it was a, really surreal feeling knowing, like, we have it, like, we have a map.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, and it's
1: not a blame. It's not like, what do you want me to do? What are you going to do? Who's going to hold? The... It's so clear. And um, I just felt like such a part of a team. And like you're saying, it wasn't like a us against them, or really, right. what are you going to do to implement our goals now? It was just a, we have this together. Yeah. And I feel like they have the accountability on their side, too, that they're really right. serious about. And I think that's going to make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, I say all of that to say if the community, see you know, tunes into a board meeting and is like, oh, this is like Real Housewives, then we're not doing what, right. <laughs> what I think either of us are hoping for. I think our board meetings aren't mm-hmm. very Real Housewives-y, and that's <coughs> a great thing. And I hope the community is noticing that, and I hope the community holds all of the stakeholders involved accountable to, like, nope, we don't want the Real Housewives. For sure. We want strong women mm-hmm. leading this district in a way that's improving student outcomes and I feel excited about that on that note what's your hope for education in New Mexico
1: I hope to just like we have such brilliant children like beautiful brilliant children and they're counting on us and I just want like the world to see what we did to bring that out in kids you know they show up every day and they're like counting on us And I want to be the model for the country of how to pull out that brightness in every child and to show people what we were able to do. And um, for our kids to, I want our kids to be proud. Like, I'm tired of the negativity of like, oh, do you go to APS? You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, I go to to that, I go to the school district that was on CNN. Right. You know, Um, I want them to be proud because they should be and they're brilliant and we have to pull it out and um, invest in them and I'm really I feel like we're on a really good path.
0: Well again thank you so much for making time this week. Where can people follow along with you your work and the work of the district as a whole?
1: So the website's a great way to do it and of course social media I'll be starting um when I get officially started I'll have a like a big social media presence so people can follow along. And again, that's how, like, keep us accountable. Keep following us. Tell us when we're on track and tell us when you think we're going off track.
0: Well, thank you for inviting that conversation. And thank you for being here. We're
1: so grateful. Thank you.
0: All right. At the end of each episode, we highlight any relevant education news that we think you need to know. So in case you missed it, the New Mexico House of Representatives approved a $10.2 billion state budget directing a historic $4.7 billion to public education. This includes $4.43 billion in recurring general fund appropriation for schools, a non-recurring appropriations totaling $200 million, and a $75 million expendable trust pilot for special education and educator budgets. Lots of details within all of those numbers that I just threw at you. But um, we're not done yet. So the state budget, as I said, has been approved by the House and is currently awaiting consideration by the Senate. So everything that I said could and probably will change. But there are, I don't know, nine, ten days left in the session. So by the time we have a new episode for you, we'll have final budget numbers for you. Senate Joint Resolution 9, which is a constitutional amendment aiming to Uh, Get rid of the secretary of education position and return us to the governance model we had 20 years ago, which was an elected school board of 10 plus five appointees, uh, governor appointees, has been temporarily tabled by the House Education Committee. That means it's paused for now. Could be picked up at any moment. Um, SJR 9 already passed Senate committees and the Senate and, like I said, was paused in House Education. So if it is picked up, it could move very quickly to a House floor vote, but for now, it's on pause. Stay tuned. And lastly, House Bill 171, which proposes changes to New Mexico's graduation requirements um, and allows a little bit more flexibility at the district level, quickly moved through the House and gained approval from the Senate Education Committee. This bill has garnered bipartisan support mainly based on its uh, focus on increasing student choice and flexibility. However, it does remove Algebra two as a core requirement and make some changes to kind of that core um, academic requirement that we previously required for students. It now awaits a vote on the Senate floor and should it pass the Senate floor, it will head to the governor's office for her signature. That is a wrap on the third episode of Semester 3 of New Mexico Rising. Thank you so much for joining us. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at nmkidscan to catch all the latest education news and hear about opportunities to use your voice to create change. Please consider rating the podcast and leaving a review or sharing the link with a friend. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.